Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Tech Doctor podcast. I'm Robert, and this is a really exciting podcast that we're doing this evening, even though we have one person who's out camping on the podcast, chasing down grizzly bears with his bare hands, and we're going to maybe hear something about that. We have a thunderstorm here in Texas, and the other tech doctor, Allison, was unable to be here at the last minute. So other than that, we're going to be here to talk about the 10th anniversary of the iPhone 3GS, which was the first accessible iPhone. Hard to believe it actually came out on June 19th, 2009, 10 years ago. And so we just want to reminisce a bit, go back and celebrate the last 10 years with the accessible iPhone. I have a great group of people joined me here this evening who were there when the accessible iPhone came around. And we'll start by just uh, welcoming you, Anna, Anna Dresner, who has probably written more about the accessible iPhone than anybody I know. Thank you so much for taking a little time out of your evening to be here with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Oh, it's fun to go back and remember, and I'm so glad you're here. And we have actually two people who were really instrumental in helping a lot of us even begin to understand the new touchscreen interface, the gestures and all that. And these were people who were doing a podcast back then called The Screenless Switchers, and also a lot of times it was connected with Mac accessibility, which they're still doing. But we're so fortunate to have with us from Canada, I guess you're in Canada, Darcy Bernard. Darcy, welcome to the Tech Doctor Podcast. Hi, good to be here. Um, and yeah, I am in Canada right now. Okay, great. And a man who's out camping somewhere, I don't even know where, but barely hanging in there, but still alive and well, as far as I know, Steve Sawson. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I'm uh, joining you from Kenny Bunkport, Maine, where we're camping and I'm in the middle of nowhere with one bar of service. So super honored to be here and hopeful that uh, I'll be able to stay here through the duration. Hope so too. You're, you're sounding really good at the moment. And finally, the man from Australia who I finally got the time differences right and he was actually able to come in at the time that I thought was the right time. And it is the right time. David Woodbridge, thank you so much for being here. That's great. My pleasure. It's always the right time anyway to talk about iPhone and accessibility. So um, I'm ready to go for today. Excellent. Excellent. What I'm going to do is something a little different from what we normally do on the podcast to start with. I'm going to start out by playing a little less than 10 minutes of audio just for us all to listen to. I'm going to begin with the WWDC stage in 2009 when Phil Schiller announced the fact that the iPhone 3GS was accessible. And then we're going to go in and just play some of my favorite audio clips from the Mac Accessibility podcast that occurred just after the keynote had completed. And Darcy and Steve and Josh and Holly, Kara Quinn was there as well. And so we're going to listen to some audio clips here and then come back and talk a little bit about some of our own remembrances and experiences with the iPhone 3GS. So here we go. We also care a great deal about accessibility, helping more and more people be able to use this great new technology. 
and some great new accessibility settings in the iPhone 3GS. You go in the accessibility settings area and you find this voiceover. So if somebody needs to hear the, what they're touching with their finger for an email or a web page, it'll read it to them. If you want to zoom in the display to have larger icons to be able to see it better, you can do that. If you want to invert the colors, if that helps your sight, that's better. We even can pipe mono audio through both or either sides of the headphone to help you if that helps with your hearing. So great features for accessibility. Everybody get that? VoiceOver is on the iPhone. They did it. They did it. They did it. We've been speculating about it. We've been talking about it. We've been wishing for it. It came actually, I think, a lot quicker than any of us expected. I am shocked. I have to say, just absolutely. This is a total, could be a total paradigm shift. I mean, I feel it's a paradigm shift because not only will it be, to me, the first accessible touchscreen product, but I mean, the first accessible iPhone. I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, the first accessible, completely accessible phone out of the box. Absolutely. I mean, I mean this other... has tremendous impl- implications. I wonder if this is going to be similar to on the Mac, where, like, you know, on the Mac, if you're developing Cocoa, a lot of things just kind of work. So I wonder how much of that will be the same on the iPhone. Uh, yeah, I, I can actually um, sort of, not, well, maybe not answer that, but I can, I can give some educated speculation on that. Uh, because my brother-in-law uh, has just started learning um, development for the iPhone uh, in the last few weeks, and we were actually talking about this yesterday, just you know, s- hoping for an accessible iPhone, and it's just one of those things, not really expecting it. And uh, he was saying that um, a lot of the control elements on the iPhone, it's it's very much like it is on the Mac, where they're all you're using mostly standard controls. Mm-hmm. That being the case, the accessibility could already be largely built in, just like mm-hmm. it was for the, the Mac apps when VoiceOver came in. Right, right. I, I'm sure there'll be some sort of a, um, you know, a, uh, a, you know, a shift. There's going to take some time. We're going to find a lot of the old apps are not accessible. We're going to find that oh, a lot sure. of the newer just like ones when are. VoiceOver first came out. You know, exactly. Sure. But one exactly. really good thing too is that the since the iPhone has you know kind of tight, you know, has had a little bit of a tight control by Apple. You know the development environment. Um, you know it will. I think it lends itself well to good accessibility across the board. Yeah, and I mean, think about it, guys. The the cost of the 16 gigabyte iPhone 3GS with VoiceOver built in and the whole deal is less than the Windows Mobile screen reader that everybody uses. Well, I really want to see just the the interaction itself. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the the gestures that they use. Um, you know, I've read a little bit about it, and it sounds like a wonderful interface. And I cannot wait to check it out. Yeah, um, sounds like there's going to be a learning curve, but that's with all screen readers. But I mean, that's it's a I, whole new thing. I mean, when for any of us who started using a graphical interface, there was a learning curve. So yeah, absolutely. sure. And I, I actually, when I read it, that for me, I, I kind of didn't didn't think that same way. I thought, wow, that sounds like it's going to be very intuitive immediately. The only learning curve I can foresee is just the typing aspect. You know, yeah. where you, yeah. you know, now, how does um, that work? I didn't get a chance to read it that closely. How does how is that? How do they describe it? Well, basically, when you tap, um, it'll tell you where the key, what the key is, and double tap, I believe, is what um, what presses the key. And you can also move your finger around. Mm-hmm. So you can touch type. You can also search. Um, it also has word prediction, um, mm-hmm. and then gestures right and left, flipping. Um, I'm sorry, swiping left and right will move the cursor back and forth in what you're typing. Yeah. So. But I mean, I think I don't think it's going to be any more of a learning curve than than a sighted user would have to have typing on a, on a surface like that. Right, right. 
in yeah, and I mean, that's something you hear all the time that, that from sighted users is that it took them a while to get used to typing on it. It's gonna, I think it's going to be the same for us as well. Oh, sure. Sure. The accessibility page under um, says VoiceOver works with all of the built-in iPhone applications, and that includes phone, iPod. So that must be the dialing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're yeah. counting it as an app that it's compatible with. I can't imagine it wouldn't, so... No, I mean, I think pretty much everything that comes on the uh, on the phone is going to be. Ex- I mean, how awesome is it going to be to have Safari, guys? Totally, totally. And they make mention Browser. of that in terms of navigating the web and being able yeah, to, to move your, yeah to move yeah. the cursor around like that. It's wonderful. I cannot wait. There is a drawback. Okay. <laughs> Leave it to me to find the drawback. No, go for it. Go for it. Um, I'm not finding any info on how you get this if you don't want AT&T. The, there's two prices. There's a is an 8 and a 16 gig, Josh, or is it a 16 and a 32 uh, gig? Six, well, the, the 16 and the 32 for the iPhone 3GS. The 3G. old iPhone 3G without voiceover will be 99. And it's so. only 8. And then the new one is 199 or 299. Right, on, yeah. Which, but that's the AT&T New product, new customer price or price for existing eligible customers, whatever that translates to. The possibilities are so limitless now at this point. Well, yeah, like I had, I, I was thinking earlier, um, I mean, if, if third-party stuff becomes accessible, you could imagine, like, I mean, Amazon has their Kindle software. If they made that accessible and we had access to everything at the Kindle store. It would be yeah. phenomenal. That would be huge. It's huge. What struck me, especially in recent Twitter conversations, is there seems to be two groups of people. One toward which I'm somewhat sympathetic, and the others which I th- just think should be all lined up against the wall when the revolution comes. But um, wow, the, <laughs> yes, it wouldn't be one of these shows without a Douglas Adams. <laughs> it's positive thoughts with Steve. Um, the, the first group is just anti Apple, anti everything on. Um, you know, anti-change. I'll just label it that way. That's sure. the group of the revolutionaries. The other group um, are those who are either on the fence or they say, no, it's not good, but they're saying this because they don't see how it can be done. And these are people who I think oftentimes come off as naysayers, but I think what they're really saying is, I'm saying no because I don't, I don't understand how this could be done. And these are the same people that you know, when when access to Windows and so forth was a big hot topic and how can blind people deal with icons, they would say, no, it can't be done. But once someone showed them, hey, you can do it, look at it this way, they often became the most avid supporters. And I think that mm-hmm. group, it's important not to alienate that group. People need to know that the iPhone itself is, is a different paradigm from, from most phones, you know, the way it works. I mean, that's what makes it so desirable. Yeah, exactly. And it may come, like... Some sighted people don't like the touchscreen, so you know it may show. Sure, absolutely, there are blind people who are like, "I try, I don't like it," or you know, I, I, "I'd rather have the keyboard." And it may, you know, you're going to have those people as well. Sure. I just don't want people I, to I, be like negative and oh, I don't like it, so therefore it's crap. You know, that kind of that yeah. Kind yeah. drives yeah. me crazy. I think that uh, this too, like it has been for the sighted world for the last two years, I think the iPhone is going to sort of be Apple's gateway drug that you're going to end up with a lot of 
these visually impaired people who have never considered buying a Mac, have never considered buying an iPod. This is a phone. This is the the least expensive way right now to get an accessible phone, really. Um, yeah. And they're going to they're going to get it. They're going to use it. It, it says right on the uh, iPhone accessibility page that it'll sync and and turn on voiceover if you're using it with with uh, Windows and a Windows screen reader uh, and the Windows version of iTunes. And they're going to say, oh, "Hey, this voiceover stuff is really cool." And it's I think we're going to see uh, an even bigger um, group start to switch. Um, or at least start checking out the the Mac side of things. I know. Can you imagine the amount of work that must have gone into this, the accessibility for for the iPhone? It's just astounding, really. Yeah, I know. Look, and look at how quiet they they've needed to be about it. I mean, with those of us asking about it, talking about it, you know. That's one. Thing you know, just just the occasional hint. You know. That's one thing yeah. that Apple does, which is really interesting. How like, you know. You look at most of the other access technology things, they usually announce stuff, you know, months before they have it, right? But, like, here in one one day, in one fell swoop, they've changed everything. I just, like, on Twitter I said, you know, I have no words, and it's 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 just huge. Like, you know, not only is it, you know, a, a completely accessible phone, but it's just a completely new platform. It's just... I mean, people had said it would never, it was never going to happen, you know, and it did, and it just, I don't know. People just... were saying yesterday it was never going to happen. <laughs> it's true, it's true, and I mean, you know what? It's it is like we were saying before, it is a, a 1.0 idea in the sense of you know an accessible um, touchscreen, and that's only going to improve. You know, even if it does For have sure. shortcomings, it's going to improve. Mm-hmm. And this is this is just a great thing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it will change the paradigm, and it needs to, you know, it needs. The market is going to need to change the, you know, the access market. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing. You know, for, for years I've been hearing people talk about the iPhone and thinking in my head, well, I can't use that. You know, I can't do that. But now, I mean, there's not a product in the, in the, in the Apple line that's not accessible. Yeah, I just want to say, oh, my God, 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 I want one. What a time that was back then. And let's just kind of go around and check in with people and see what that brings back or what comes up for you when we go back to that 10 years ago. Darcy, what was that like listening to all that again? Oh, that was weird um, <laughs> hearing hearing that. Um, but uh, I remember it. I remember it clear as, clear as day. Like I remember watching the uh, watching the keynote. Back then, they didn't stream the keynote live officially, so you had to find it. I think uh, Twit was doing it, was doing sort of an, playing like an illicit stream. And I'm like, did they just say what I think they said? And mm-hmm. it was just so crazy because, um, and like a bunch of us were saying at the time, you know, this changes everything. And it did. I mean, let's honestly, like everything you can. I think you can look at access technology kind of before that day and after that day. And it's, it's everything changed. And, um, you know, just in terms of like the fact that now um, there are so many companies, it, like just the iPhone aside, how many people have, have built in uh, solutions, not just for phones and computers, but for like televisions and even like the video game thing, like everything has built in stuff now, um, you know, with different degrees of, of success there. But, and and just you know the thing we we kind of talked about a little bit at the start there about you know what apps are going to be ex- accessible it was actually really surprising um how many apps were accessible right at the beginning like i remember i remember holly was keeping a list on uh accessibility at the time of all the accessible apps and we quickly realized like 
this is a very difficult thing to, <laughs> to keep a list of of accessible apps. I mean, um, Apple Viz eventually started doing that themselves, and they have you know a whole group of people. But for just that, that was not a, a task for a single person to uh, <laughs> to deal with because there were just so many of them. And yeah. it's just it's it's so. Like just that feel, oh, and you could hear it. I think in the audio, like just the, the we were all just floored because, you know, people were saying. I actually remember because I think I commented on on there saying that you know people were talking about it yesterday, and I can remember having arguments with people on Twitter the day before that it would never happen because we would never be able to use a touchscreen like that was impossible, and now it's just it's hard to even think about that. It's hard to even rem- like like you know we've all been using them for ten years now, so. It's hard to, uh, it, it's, it, it seems like just yesterday, but it also seems like, you know, such a long time ago since this stuff became accessible, like both things at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really wanted to play that audio because it does capture so much the flavor of what people were feeling and thinking at that time. And it was just in, an incredible time. I mean, I, I, I can remember lots of interesting moments. I've been at age 63, I've been around accessible microprocessor technology since the mid-70s and heavily involved in it, interested in it. But this is truly one of the most memorable moments ever because I think so many of us were just hoping so much but didn't really think that it would happen. I just remember feeling so locked out from the iPhone. I had been... yeah using the Mac, you know, for, for a while then I started, I guess with Leopard and, uh, and, and that was a, that was a jam packed keynote with, with Snow Leopard. And it was, new, yeah. And new, I, I think it's also worth pointing out just how like the Mac still at that point, I mean, you were using it and all of us, you know, a lot of us were using it at the time, but in terms of accessibility, that was still kind of a fringe thing. Like not everybody was using that. And and there was still that idea that if if a screen reader is is free, you know, how good can it possibly be? Exactly. Um and I mean now we've seen obviously um, you know, on, on the Windows side, things like NVDA and and by all accounts narrator has gotten quite good mm-hmm. um compared to where it was. But I mean back then it wasn't. So it was it was such a an out there thing. Like I remember when when Holly and I first started doing screenless switchers. I think a lot of people thought we were crazy. Like, like what do you want to use that thing for? And, mm-hmm. and, and so it was, it was, and I think obviously, and there was a lot of concern at that point, um, like how committed Apple was because it wasn't long after voiceover first came to the Mac that, you know, we first started hearing about the iPhone and just the, the prevailing thoughts with everybody. And, and I, I was probably like included somewhere. It's like, this is a really cool thing that we're never going to have access to. Yeah, it really felt that way. So, Steve, if you're still out there and the bear hasn't gotten you yet, tell us a little bit about your thoughts hearing that audio. Well, the bear has not, but the mosquitoes are ganging up on me. And um, hashtag pro tip, the iPhone works as a great mosquito swatter. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> how far we've come. You know, listening to that audio, it it, it brings back a lot of memories. And um I remember feeling, as probably came across by that little clip of mine, really angry at the time because, I mean, I was I was super excited about what Apple was doing, but I was really angry that people were just immediately making judgment calls about how bad this was going to be and how terrible this was going to be and how this was really just lip service and we weren't going to see much of anything and this wasn't going to help the blind at all and, it, and, and this was all just dumb. And 
you know, there was this sort of divide on Twitter between people who were super hopeful and excited about the possibilities and people who were just like, oh, no, this isn't going to be any big deal. This is just going to be whatever. And it's it's not going to go anywhere. And um, I'm sure that came across in my, in my little clip there. Uh, but, you know, the thing I really think back on a lot about is that this was really the first time I could buy a phone and use it virtually out of the box. Uh, still needed iTunes to turn voiceover on, but I could buy an iPhone the same day as everyone else could. I could go home after waiting in line at the Apple store and uh, power the thing on and make it work right out of the box. I've never been able to do that before. I've had plenty of Nokia's and other accessible phones in the past, and they've all required uh, various degrees of, uh, uh, assistance to get up and talking. Um, screen readers were not free. So there was a bunch of obstacles to that and, and a barrier of entry for cost. And, you know, Apple just sort of in one fell swoop did away with that, which was pretty interesting. And the other thing for me is, um, you know, it made a real profound impression on me that accessibility is more than just universal access. Um, you know, it's really an area that, uh, promotes innovation, uh, where if you are an innovator, you can really make your mark and accomplish some really incredible things. It's, it's not the sort of, um, you know, often when I talk to people about accessibility, they, they view it as a, as a challenge, a difficult thing, an obstacle, a budget-sucking type of thing, something very negative. And oftentimes, you know, I can point to, to what Apple did here and say, you know, accessibility is also a place of innovation. It really speaks to innovation and how can we rethink what we do and how do we rethink what's possible? And, um, you know, when people sort of lose track of that and, 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 you know, it's possible to point to the iPhone and say, you know, there used to be a time when people didn't think using a device without any tactile buttons on it was going to be impossible for, uh, someone who's blind and Apple totally, uh, change that by redefining what's possible. And, you know, that's really an, a, a powerful thing. Also thought it interesting, um, Darcy's comment about the Kindle and how awesome would that be if we could access, you know, Kindle content? Of course, that's old news now too. The Kindle stuff is accessible. Apple launched its own bookstore. So a lot of things that we thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if this were to come to fruition? You know, it has come to fruition and, uh, for a lot of people, it's just a way of life, and they won't know any other way. And that's um, that's really exciting to me, too. Yeah, I loved how you all were so good at kind of anticipating what possibly could happen or what might happen in the future. And you're right, a lot of it has happened. But it is really incredible to me that Apple has somehow been able to do such a good job of tying accessibility into innovation. That, that's a great point you're making, and I would have never realize the the importance of that when it comes to really making a, a product or a set of products usable by everyone they 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 really married those two things together and it's really cool that they did that so i'm i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that david what was it like for you uh, uh iphone 3gs time I, I think you told me one time you still have one i i have one sitting here as well and so i took it out of the box and it, it's amazing to me that it looks like a, an iphone it hasn't changed too much over the years somewhat but small but what Tell us a little bit about where you were at and what was going on with you at, at that time. No, indeed. And I've actually got both of mine right in front of me at the moment. I've got my my original iPhone 3GS and also my wife's one as well. So um, that's actually kept on a, a bit weirdly on our um, 
our kitchen bench half the time because I like to joke to people. They go, they come in, they go, "Oh, where's your phone? Where's your phone?" It's like, "Is that one there?" It's like, "What the hell is that?" And it's like, "That's my original <laughs> iPhone." <laughs> um, so where I was, I also listened to the actual keynote via the the Twit network, and it was interesting because I was then scheduled to go in and talk to Apple here in Australia about the product, and I can remember my boss's exact words were something like. Oh, well, you know what these major companies are like. They produce these sort of gimmicky things. So I really don't think you should bother going in and wasting your time, exclamation mark. And then I remember coming back and before I actually told anybody anything, um, one of my colleagues said, you know, my, you know, our boss came and talked to me and they said, you know, is David really wasting his time? We know David's turning into a bit of an Apple lover. You know, he loves the Mac and, you know, he's gone off the, the Windows computer and blah, blah, blah. Are we, are we just getting a bit too carried away? And I came back and after that little conversation, I said, well, gee whiz, guys, um, this is the first time I've been able to actually take a product out of the box, completely use it independently, set it up independently, use it, browse the web, use apps, make phone calls, um, type on a touchscreen system without actually spending huge amounts of money on, on a third-party screen reader, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, I don't think I've actually wasted my time spending three hours at Apple going through the product. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was bizarre. I just could not uh, understand. It sort of speaks to Steve's um, comments too in a way that you've just had one camp that hated Apple, but the second one was, oh, no, look, it obviously couldn't be that good. No, 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 it's just going to be a waste of time. It's a gimmick. They don't really care. Um, and I just wish I could go back to my boss now 10 years later um, and say, you know that funny thing that you said that wasn't worthwhile 10 years ago? Well, guess where it's ended up now? We've got things like handwriting, uh, braille input. Uh, we've got all these other accessibility features. We've got the, the voice control coming up this year for iOS 13. Isn't it amazing how 10 years we've actually really improved from the original voiceover on the actual iPhone 3GS? So I was really excited, and back at that time, also extremely disappointed on the fact that it was almost like any time any industry uh, thought about accessibility, it, you know, the, the, the NAS says, oh, no, it's just not good enough. It's like, well, can we just give it a go and see what happens? So I'm very pleased to say now that um, I've been here from the start and it's just getting better and better. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I, I can I can only imagine that, you know, it, there were some of us for some reason who really embraced the idea, embraced the technology, but it took a while for a lot of people i know it was it was at least 2 or 3 4 years maybe after the 3gs that acb had me come and do a presentation at one of their summer conventions on apple and ios and the mac and all and it, it took that long for people to begin to really think seriously about it for, for at least for some people for, for, for the main i would say the mainstream uh people who are blind it, it took a while Anna, how about you? Like, wh- where where did you get started with all this and and the, with with the books and everything? I mean, you you were there from the beginning as well, I assume. Well, I was basically out of the loop at this point. For some reason, I didn't hear those initial podcasts. I didn't hear the um, the the keynote. I did go. I heard that there was a talking iPhone. I went to an Apple store and asked them to show me show it to me. And I got somebody who apparently really didn't know how to use it with voiceover because they were telling me that you had to double tap on the exact spot on the screen where whatever it was you wanted to use was. 
And I'm thinking, how could you possibly do that with a keyboard? And so I thought, oh, I, you know, this seems like it's kind of a more hype than useful based on that demonstration. And so, and I lived in a small town. So was, and so it's not like I had a lot of access to them. And then over the next few months, I started hearing podcasts and demonstrations that people were doing. Uh, one that really stands out was um, Dean Martineau's demonstration on Tech Talk and, and some other things it kind of filtered in uh, where it was clear that people were doing some really cool things with them and that clearly this business of having to know exactly where to double tap was, must not actually be accurate. And by the following spring, National Braille Press was interested. I guess I think I asked them if they might be interested in my doing a book about it, because if someone's willing to pay me to learn a new product, that's even more fun than just doing a new learning a new product. And they were up for that. And so um, I got one in March and I was very excited and had a wonderful time with it. But it just took a few months because of that really weird experience at the beginning. There was a learning curve, as Holly was saying on the podcast and as others have said, and it was a different idea to use that touch screen, but that interface was really pretty brilliant. You know, the, just, oh, just absolutely. The, the idea that you mentioned where you could tap anywhere as long as you had focused the, the item that you wanted to select. And Apple really put some serious thought, some serious innovation into finding a way to make that work and make it really be usable by a blind person. And it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it lots changed, lots been added in some ways, but that thing was pretty solid, at least in terms of the way it operated, even with the iPhone 3GS. At least that's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then after, just a few months after I got mine, iOS 4 came out where you could use a Braille display and you could use touch typing instead of standard typing. And that was just such a huge improvement. Oh, that and was huge. Um, I remember, I'm, so, I'm sorry, sorry, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, just, just seeing that and having it change so much so quickly, it was just even more exciting. Like, wow, where are we going with this? I was just going to say about the, the touch typing though. Um, I remember um, when, cause it was, it was less than a year after voiceover happened that the iPad was first announced and it came out and the version of the iOS that, that it had was sort of in the middle between iOS three and four. And it had some of the newer features. Like it had, it had the touch typing. And I remember going to an Apple store and playing with it. And then, it, then, you know, going back to my device and like, I don't have touch typing. I really want touch typing. This, you know, this can't come out fast enough because, um, you know, this, that improved things so much. And then of course, a year or two later when they added the uh, Braille keyboard input, which is huge. I love that. That's my, my favorite way of, of inputting text on the, the thing. Like it's just, they've improved it so much, but Robert, you're right. What, what they had in that 1.0 version was, was great. was really solid. Like what, what was there worked really well. I was visiting in Greece that summer of June 2009 with my family. And I have no idea what device I had that could download podcasts. I can't even remember if it was a laptop or what it was, but we couldn't find any Wi-Fi. And finally 
uh, one afternoon we set out on the steps of the University of Athens library and piggybacked off their Wi-Fi. And that's where I downloaded that podcast that I played the clip from, the Screen of Switchers Mac Accessibility podcast. And so the next day or two, we got on the plane and I was sitting with my son who was, I guess, 16 at the time. And we each had an earbud and we were listening to the podcast. And we were sitting there kind of unconsciously, but making these swipe gestures and flick gestures on the knees of our pants. And my (laughs) wife looked over and she goes, what the hell are you all doing over there? I said, we're learning to use the new iPhone 3GS. And it's just so funny to remember that, you know, that what what, what a crazy time. Do others have uh, any, any thoughts about, you know, just kind of, your process that we haven't shared, get, getting it going or thinking about it? Well, for me, I had, I didn't get the 3GS right away. I, um, for various reasons, couldn't get a phone right then. So I was waiting for the iPod Touch. So I was really hopeful that that was going to happen, you know, a month or two later. And it did. And I got one. And so hearing everybody else's experiences and hearing demos and stuff, I kind of knew what to expect. And it was really surprising when I got it just how quickly um like the the various like you know finding stuff on the screen the double tap the split tap the flicks um worked it did take typing did take a long time to get used to i remember i was like okay i'm gonna post something on twitter that i from my phone and just to get signed in and to actually post something took quite a while <laughs> just you know to, to get used to typing yeah. but, but uh it, it was it was just amazing how how quickly it, it it did come once you know once you got used to um how it worked. And if I remember, I think with iTunes, when you set it up, there was a little thing that gave you a tutorial at first to kind of explain how to, how to do stuff. Um, and there was like the voiceover training thing. So it was, it was, it, you know, it went, it went from that to second nature pretty quickly, I think. You know, Kara Quinn really hit the nail on the head in that podcast when she said the thing that she wondered the most about what the learning curve would be like typing on it. And that was the thing as I recall, it seemed to take us all the most time to figure out how to input that text on that touch screen. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of, the, one, of, one of the main things that I found too was because um, I was we doing a lot of tech support back then and every time we get people coming into Vision Australia or talk to us on the phone, I had to always keep saying, give it a moment to get used to it. Don't start using it straight away and think it's going to start overnight because it won't. Give yourself at least two weeks before you feel like throwing it out the window because it will be frustrating. It will take time. It is a flat screen. Um, you've only got a couple of buttons on it. You know, be patient. And I think that's when I started really getting into podcasting in a way because I think in the first, geez, I think it was the first two weeks I produced 26 podcasts because we were just answering so many of the same questions that I thought the only way I can survive this onslaught with the iPhone 3 just was to do a series of podcasts and then we actually started giving it to people on um, on CD. So that sort of saved me from screaming out loud and going, how many more times do I have to actually tell people that you, know, you can drag your finger around, you can hear what you've heard, the last thing you've heard, you can double tap or you can flick left and right or you can scroll with three fingers, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was just amazing because people would still ring up and say, you know, where's my where's my talks for my Nokia or why is it mm-hmm. so do on the on the iphone it's like well it's not difficult but then you'd also get um family and relatives coming in and going 
oh, well, you know, um, you know, Bob, Bob's told me about this new phone with the, the screen reader on it, and I've been trying to convince him that being blind, he possibly can't use a user interface because, as we all know, blind people can't use touch screens and graphical user interfaces. And quite a few of the times you'd be sitting down there with the relatives and friends saying, well, can I just get my phone out of my pocket and let me show you? And perhaps Bob could actually use it if you're a little bit more patient with him and gave him a chance to get used to it. Because as soon as they'd see the, you know, Bob going, oh, I don't, I don't quite understand this. Aha, so you're right. I told you he couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. Rather than going, well, let's just give somebody a bit of a time and get used to it. And, and then it was amazing because those people would come back and go, oh, just have a tell you about Bob. He's really enjoying the experience. Like, well, it would have been nice if you would have blasted listen to me in the first place rather than arching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think, David, that from your experience, if you can remember back then, did a lot of people give up on it before they got it? Or do you think most people stuck with it? I almost gave up on it. I, I got it. I got home. I read the manual. I set it up on iTunes. It was only three in the morning by then, and I was going to leave for a trip at six. And <laughs> so I decided I'll just keep on working with it. Mm-hmm. And in the car for the eight-hour drive, I kept working with it. And the thing that really broke my heart was the text entry. I just hated it. It was slow. It was cumbersome. And coming from a uh, Nokia with T9, where I could text really, really quickly and one-handed, it was just a speed bump to have to text on the uh, on the on the iPhone the way that it worked initially and you know I think Apple recognized that certainly they they fixed it with the touch typing helped stuff along much faster in iOS 4 and then of course the braille screen input which works phenomenal um but you know at first it was a real challenge for me because I had this thing of uh, you know I I liked the cool tech I loved everything about the iPhone I loved kind of the concept of, of it being integrated but I had to get stuff done, and um, I was working in a way that needed me to be very mobile and very efficient, and I couldn't get that efficiency because the text entry was just so difficult. And, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't give up, certainly, and they've certainly, uh, you know, now we have dictation and all the other things that we mentioned, and so, you know... Um, but initially, I think uh, people may have faced this, you know, geez, do I, do I want the cool factor or do I have to get stuff done? And I almost, almost returned the iPhone because I, I couldn't have the same efficiency and I needed to for work. And so, um, you know, I, I unfortunately think a lot of people may have done just that, looked at it and decided, you know, this is really cool, but it's not for me. It's too slow. It's too expensive for what it is. I don't like AT&T. That was the other thing, too, right? Back then... Uh, it was only available with AT&T in the U.S. and I think only select carriers internationally. So this whole idea that, you know, you can just buy an iPhone on just about any carrier nowadays wasn't really a thing yet, um, at least not here. And so another big part of the commitment was you had to kind of commit to AT&T for two years in the U.S. And that was a huge stumbling block for folks where AT&T didn't provide good coverage or AT&T might not have been the cost effect, most cost-effective carrier. And so um, I was living in Maine at the time, and AT&T did not have the best coverage. And so, you know, the other thought I had was, geez, do I keep the iPhone and sacrifice some coverage, or do I go with AT&T because I have to and, you know, possibly lose some coverage in the process? Is the iPhone worth just that much? And so I think there were some early barriers to entry for a lot of folks and um, i'm glad i didn't return mine but um 
I, I almost did. Even today, I'll get people, they want to use, you know, they want to use Google Home and Amazon Echo, the HomePod, the blah, blah, blah. And they want to be, they want to start using it 1000% straight away. And I can remember even back when the iPhone 3 just came out and I said, you are not going to be able to write a novel with this like you can do on your on your on your Nokia N82, whatever it was back then. I said you've got to start somewhere. Remember when you first picked up your Nokia phone with talks, you had to actually learn how to use it. And so exactly the same thing is going to apply for the for the iPhone because you're not going to be productive out of the gate. It's going to be frustrating. That's where I always I gave those sort of the two week thing because I just thought you, you're going to feel for the first couple of times, you know, you're going to feel like, oh, well, you know, it's okay for those blasted demo people out there because obviously they've done a bit of editing or they've been playing a lot longer or they're just not lying, but they're just showing what, what really works. And so even today when I say to people, you've got to get used to things, you just can't be productive out of the gate. Just give it a little bit of time. And I find most of the time it's it's not too bad. If you give yourself enough time, I mean, I yes, I kept using my Nokia phone in the background for most of the time for my work, but um, that's why I started doing the podcast. I thought that's one way of learning, but yeah, most people just tend to get a bit frustrating. But here in Australia, I guess we, we were lucky because all our major characters, ca- characters, carriers carried the <laughs> iPhone. Um, so we were so we were great. So Vodafone, Optus, Telstra, most of the major ones had it here in Australia anyway. Really struck in that though by how cheap the iPhone was because of the contract coverage, and so how I mean, it's 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 kind of sad right now that there's more of a cost barrier for getting an iPhone. Than there was then. One ninety nine, two ninety nine, amazing. Yeah, and then you're done. You know, <laughs> you're right. You know, ten years later, the, the current iPhones are very expensive. Yeah, I mean, but mind you, back then, I mean, the the iPhone here in Australia was still fairly horrendously expensive. It wasn't certainly one ninety nine or two ninety nine. I can't remember now, but I still think it was up around the eight or nine hundred dollar mark here in Australia. Well, those because those prices were heavily subsidized back then by the, the yeah, carriers. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but the, the other side of the coin too is that the iPhone today is contained much more expensive technology. Just in terms of the the power in it, it you know it can you, you hear about what these the processors of them are capable of, and they can you know outclass a lot of you know computers that you buy. You know they they they're, and then you consider the cameras and everything that's in there. And just how many, if you think about how many devices um, that we had 10 years ago that the iPhone replaced, <laughs> um, <Absolutely. Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just every, just about everything we had that, that talked in some fashion was probably replaced. Like you got your, a music player, an audio recorder, a compass, a GPS thing, a, a yep. book Daisy reader. Uh, yeah. D- yeah. And just, a, I, I'm not even scratching the surface and you can also make phone calls with it even. So, <laughs> yeah, I do remember before having the iPhone, I remember carrying around routinely in my pockets, an iPod, a Victor reader stream and a flip phone. Mm. Yeah. Actually, it's quite funny. I, I wrote an article, uh, I think it was about four or five years ago on all the things in my tech bag that my iPhone replaced. And I think I ended up with 30 items all up. <laughs> So that was that was pretty impressive. And, and just for a joke one day, I went into work and I carried this bag in. And I said, I'm just going to pour out all this stuff on the desk that my iPhone replaced. <laughs> I can remember in the first, geez, I think in the first four days, I think I downloaded about 50 apps because um, I kept looking on the Screensaver's web page as well and accessibility, and I kept downloading all the apps that they were recommending. Um, 
And I also downloaded lots of other ones as well. And it was just amazing because I just could not keep up because as as we all know, it actually turned out that quite a few of the apps or, you know, a lot of them were actually accessible. So, you know, when, when Josh said, um, you know, what's probably like coding, hopefully it'll be out of the box. If they obey proper app development, then most of them will be accessible. And as we discovered, you know, there, there were some disasters, but quite a lot of them were just accessible out of the box. So it's like, oh my God, I can use not only your mainstream product with accessibility, but I can actually use the apps that come with the mainstream product as well. Yeah. And and the thing that was great, and, and we, we quickly discovered is the apps that weren't accessible, you know, there were a lot of times we're just contacting a developer and letting them know they would fix it. You know, they would, um, now there's still certainly times where that doesn't happen. Um, And it does sometimes seem to be like the larger the company, more likely that, that they might, you know, things things take a while, but especially the, you know, single person developers would often be like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know about voiceover, but now that I do, I'm going to make sure that my apps are accessible. Mm -hmm. My experience with that has been very positive. You know, I, I can't, count the, the number of times that I've contacted developers and I do it a lot and almost always I get a positive response. There have been a few but uh, only a very few and that's one thing that was so exciting back then was the App Store, right? I mean, w- hard to believe when the 3GS came out they were saying that they already had 50,000 apps in the App Store. No, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I remember getting back to Darcy's point about the developers. There was a I don't know if it's still around, I haven't checked it for a while, but it was an app called uh, Voice Brief. And what Voice Brief did was it automatically read out your Twitter your Twitter stuff, your emails, your notifications, and a few other odds and ends. And I remember contacting the developer and I said, you know, this would be really good if you could make it accessible for, for blind people. His response was, oh, do blind people actually use the iPhone? I didn't realize that. And then he went and had a look and got back to me and went, oh, hell, that's a really good target market because he originally made it for people that when, when they were driving their cars, they could use their iPhone hands-free to read their emails um, back in 2009. So um, he fairly quickly turned around and actually made the app accessible, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, developers were really, I've, I've, I've certainly had good luck over the years. And I agree, it seems like the smaller the, the development group is, the more likely they are to fix it quickly. But yeah. they, they really do. A lot of them have. I've been to uh, MacStock for a few years up in Chicago, which is a a conference that's held in July for Apple enthusiasts. And, you know, it's just such a great, amazing relationship between the Apple community and and the developers. And I don't know of any other platform that can really claim that. It's it's a real community, and it's it's very cool to be a part of that. The other nice thing that I find, too, I mean, I've got my iPhone 3GS here in my hand, and just to think that the consistent interface that I could quite easily jump back in time and still use this iPhone 3GS even 10 years later. So really, and I don't know how Apple did this, but they really got the interface completely bang on target. I mean, the fact that they've just added to it rather than changing it dramatically, is just, you sometimes think, what went, what went through the engineers' heads when they were developing this? Because it's well and truly stood the, the test of time amazingly well. Yeah, like things you wouldn't even think about. Like like um, when I first, you know, became aware of the rotor, like that's just brilliant how they, you know, you just twist it. And, and like what a great way to, to change settings and, and stuff. And, and they had that right from the start. Yeah, and, and the fact that you could actually activate, uh, you know, good old Safari and the fact that you could then navigate the web because I find even today I just navigate the, the web most of the time when I'm checking stuff to my podcast feed. 
mm-hmm. on on Safari and the and the rate of change is depending on what you're doing. It's like, wow, that is such a forward thinking thing. And it was it was funny because I was trying to fit my fingers on the 3GS this morning to see if I could actually rail and put on it. And yet you you can just fit your fingers, your six fingers across. <laughs> I'm really pleased that um, Apple ended up making a bigger iPhone screen. <laughs> Otherwise, Braille input would have been very messy, I think. Oh, yeah. Just to add to David's comment there, I, I got eventually an iPad, and I got it for a couple of reasons, one of which was the touch typing, um, <clears throat> which wasn't yet on the iPhone but was on the iPad initially. And the other thing that amazed me is was, was that the iPad, and to a lesser degree with the iPhone, you can explore by touch and sort of figure out where things are in relation to other things on the screen and i thought you know for the first time ever as a blind person screen size actually mattered and you know i've always gotten the laptop with the smallest screen the most portable whatever but um i suddenly realized wow you know we can actually do more with this larger screen real estate and that's never happened before i've never cared how big the screen was and now that does matter because we can do new things and as we had braille screen input and as that evolved, you know, the screen size mattered. And so, you know, that, that sort of became a thing. And then later on, the camera sort of became a thing. I've never cared how good a quality camera I've had, you know, as a, as a blind person. And now, you know, as, as we started getting um, OCR apps and um, other apps that sort of leverage the camera, suddenly that quality mm. actually matters. And so, you know, we start looking at things like screen size and camera um, quality as, as stuff that matter, even though they are traditionally sort of associated with a more visual um, experience. Yeah, and you know, it's really interesting because um, the iPad, and especially with, with you know, what they're doing, what's happening in iOS 13, th- the fact that we can have, you know, multiple, say, um, you know, multiple apps on the screen at once or, you know, multiple, an app with multiple windows on the screen at once, this is the kind of thing where like multi multi windowed stuff we can actually use it like a like a sighted person would like whereas you know if we're using a computer we're basically it doesn't really matter how many windows are physically on the screen we're basically just dealing with one of them mm. and so we can we can use it the way the way um, sighted people do actually it was quite funny when the um, I know when the iPad came in because I was lucky to do the launch for it in Brisbane when I was at a keynote uh, in two thousand and ten. And I, and I immediately did what uh, Stephen was talking about. I could touch type on the iPad because of the size of the screen. I could literally hold my fingers above the keyboard and literally touch type. And that was pretty amazing. And then I think, I can't remember if it was in 2010 or maybe a bit later when we first got the, the books or the iBooks store on the iPad, I think. I was just thinking, why can't this be on the iPhone? Because I can't always yeah. be carrying my iPad with me all the time. I want, I want to be able to read books on my phone. Also about the screen size and the camera. It's just everything that basically Apple's put into the iPhone, there's been some accessibility trick, um, thinking outside of the square, doing other stuff with it, that's always ended up improving overall accessibility. It's pretty amazing when you think about the hardware. Mm-hmm. It's really made me think about getting a, a modern iPad again. I haven't had one for a while, but you're right, Darcy. It's exciting that we can we can really use those uh, multiple windows on the screen in ways that you just can't do on other devices. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it was cool. There was one time when I got an email message on my phone from my um, credit card company, and they said we're going to start putting a security notice in the message, and you'll find it to the right of your name or something like that. And you know, I reach over there found my, where my name was, went to the right. There's the security seal, just where they said it was going to be. And 
that, that kind of thing is really fun. Yeah, we get this kind of spatial stuff that we never really got in, you know, you can't really get with a, with a, you know, a t- traditional um, PC way of, of navigating stuff. Actually, I was just thinking too, Darcy, when did we have screen curtain? Because <clears throat> that seems to have made a huge difference. I mean, I often get people on the train coming up and saying, hey, mate, you know your screen's blank, don't you? And it's like, no, I'm just sitting here fondling my phone. Thanks very much. <laughs> I, think <it> was, <laughs> I, th- I think it was there from the start. I think Maybe so, it was, yeah. I think it was there. Um, and I, I love that. I love that that screen is blank from because it, you just never know whether people are, you know, and, right. and it's, just, it's great. And plus, not only that, but with screen curtain on, your battery lasts a lot longer. <laughs> so, and it's just interesting how other manufacturers are also on the, uh, not on the mobile, just on the mobile platform, but on the desktop as well, have carried on with the screen curtain concept. But mm-hmm. um, I like it because, again, it was Apple thinking about the fact that, well, if you're a person who's using a screen reader, you can't always tell who's looking at your screen. So we're going to make damn sure from, from a privacy point of view, even 10 years ago, that um, you know, you got a set of headphones on. What you're doing on your iPhone and your iPad is completely private and secure, and mm-hmm. you're the only one that know, knows what's going on. It also means if you turn on your phone at night, your partner isn't awakened by flashing lights. And uh, yes, actually, it was really funny. My wife rolls over in bed now, and she goes, "For God's sake, can you turn on screen curtain? It's not like your phone's glaring. It's like turn on screen curtain." <laughs> it also means if you use a braille display, you can have your phone unlocked in a meeting, and no one knows. the thing that in some ways that i'm left with that that, that i hadn't thought too much about until today is how similar the 3gs really is to what we have now given all the advancements that have been made i'm not discounting those but we started with a really amazingly solid foundation when it comes to accessibility and it's just a it's just it's just fun to think about that because it often doesn't happen that way i mean i've seen so many devices over the years that version one just really had lots and lots of problems and i even see that today sometimes with when a company comes out with a new braille display even a device that's designed from the ground up to be accessible they have a lot of things to work through and of course there were things to work through but i'm just struck reminded how solid that thing was from the beginning and that's part of the reason it's so much fun to go back and remember it it we all had something that worked Mm -hmm. no that's right i mean it's it's just amazing to think that the basic platform like i said earlier on they just got it bang on target so correctly and then they added you know, Braille display support, um, Bluetooth keyboard support. I mean, we had voice recognition to to do voice dictation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's all come from the basic implementation from 10 years ago, and it's been such a stable platform that they've been able to build upon it. So, you know, I think before then, and I can't remember the name of the device I was trying to remember before it came on, but there was a PDA from Dell, or there was a Dell PDA that had some sort of interface on it, and you had this tactile rubber keyboard over the top and you could press certain buttons to activate <clears throat> icons on the screen. I can't remember what it's called now. But um the tracker. Oh that's yeah, that's, that's right. The maestro. So the maestro. Yeah. That's it. But compared to what the 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 voiceover did on the on the iPhone, it's like, oh my God, what a primitive thing to think about with the maestro. And here we've got this amazing mainstream company that, you know, from the ground up has produced such a fantastic interface. So I'm I just I can't remember a time now where I, I, I sometimes think, what did I do before my smartphone and my iPhone? Because I've got no idea these days. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this retrospective, kind of just thinking back. And so why don't we just kind of start bringing this to a close and go around one more time and see if you have any final comments, things you'd like to add, and also maybe a chance to, to let people know if you'd like how you can be contacted if you want to do that. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But oh, why don't we start with you, Steve? You're out there camping. Uh, to, uh, w- w- any final comments or any ways you'd like people to get in touch with you if they want? What's going on these days? Well, I'm just I'm super excited with how far we've come and what Apple's done, and I'm you know I'm excited to see what happens in the next ten years. I mean, the the things that we sort of reminisce about today um, are the things that the the kids of tomorrow, as it were, take for granted. You know, this this isn't going to be an issue for them. They're not going to remember what a big deal this is. This is just sort of a way of life. And you know, what will be their struggle that that is sort of the defining moment. Uh, for that next generation of, of things that we just sort of deal with and tolerate and struggle through. And, you know, maybe it'll be some AI thing. Maybe it'll be, um, you know, who knows what it'll be, right? I mean, it's just, it, it just fascinates me to think that this is, you know, so many barriers were crushed. And now for so many people, those barriers are just gone. And um, it's it's something that they'll find in, um, in you know, history. Um, so, Really excited. Um, if anyone wants to contact me, just follow the mosquitoes. They seem to all have found me. Um, <laughs> barring that, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at the moment, my Twitter name is A11YFORALL, A11Y4ALL. Uh, I don't like it, but I, I'm trying to figure out a better name to change it to. But anyway, that's my Twitter name. Or you can email me, Steve, at, and then my last name, S as in Sam, A-W, C as in Charles, Z as in Zebra, why is in yellow and is in November. Sorry about that. It's a long name. Dot com. Great. Well, thank you, Steve. And thanks again for being here. It's so much fun to talk to you again. And I don't know that the Tech Doctor podcast would be here if it wasn't for you because I hired you as a consultant. And you taught me how to do enough WordPress to get this thing up and running in 2010. So it's, uh, it's really cool to, to have you back on. And thanks for doing it, even while you're out camping. Well, truly an honor. Thanks so much for reaching out. It's it's great to be here, and it's awesome uh, seeing the success of the Tech Doctor podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, Anna, how about you? Final comments, contact information, anything like that? Just mostly I'm very excited at what has happened and what's coming. There's, I think, I think iOS 13 is going to be very exciting. I am writing a book for National Braille Press about iOS 13, it probably won't actually be out until about November or December because they can't publish anything until all the formats are ready, uh, but it will be there eventually. You can email me at wadresner at att.net. Excellent. Thank you very much. David? How, oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. David, how about you? Final comments. I'm just going to be just to see where the next 10 years is, is goes um, because you know, I've been there from the start. I've actually been working with a lady at Apple now. She's also been at Apple now for 13 years. And I can remember the first time I got in contact with her, I was whinging about the fact that you couldn't run a Mac Mini without a screen if you wanted to watch a DVD because all I wanted to do was listening to it. And then I started bugging her about the iPhone 3GS, the iPad, the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, the HomePod, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'm going to be interested to see if her and I stick together for another 10 years doing <laughs> Apple accessibility here in Australia. Um, but look, my... Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's D Woodbridge. So D Woodbridge, how it sounds. Uh, you can write to me at Vision Australia if you really want to. That's David.woodbridge 
at visionaustralia.org. And if you want to check out my podcast, uh, that's davidwoodber.podbean.com. And I'm actually thinking for a bit of posterity, probably at the end of this week or whenever you listen to this podcast, let's say at the end of June, uh, I'm actually going to publish my first iPhone 3GS demo that I did um, 10 years ago. Cool. I hope you do. That'll, that'll be fun to listen to. Thank you very much for being here. Well, Darcy, how about you? Final comments and contact information. Yeah, yeah. Final comments. I just wanted to say one of the things, um, and I meant to say this earlier, one of the things I think the introduction of the accessible iPhone did is it really sort of, um, before there was always sort of a barrier between, I think, you know, mainstream technology and accessible technology. And now, you know, we as uh, blind people can be just as excited about uh, as our sighted peers when you know new technology comes out like for example when the ipad came out and when the apple watch came out they had accessibility right from the start and you know by the time the apple watch came out i was i would have been surprised if it wouldn't wasn't there you know so it was just i think you know we we now have access to this, the same technology and i think that's i think that's great and i think that's that's one of the things that it ushered in and i'm also excited to uh to see what uh, the next 10 years have to offer. But if you want to follow, if you want to contact me, you can do so on Twitter. I'm at DHS Darcy. Um, I'm on Twitter. And if you want to hear um, a podcast, which sounds, you know, much like the clip that Robert played at the start of the show, you can, I'm on the Maccessibility podcast every two weeks and you can find that at maccessibility.net. And we kind of talk about, you know, whatever's, whatever's going on in the, the world of Apple and, give our thoughts on it and all that and and yeah we've been it's hard to believe it but we've been we've been doing it uh for more than 10 years now and uh yeah so that's that's something you can check out excellent thank you darcy and thank you all for being here you know you all are some of the people who really have been available to help people with this new paradigm this new touchscreen technology with with the Macs and with apple in general for more than 10 years now and there there are other people out there who've done great things and I wish we could have all gotten on the podcast at the same time but I really wanted to have you all here to to just kind of share in this moment and I'm going to get this podcast uh, published in the next couple days sometime around or before the 19th and I know that um, I'm aware that Shelley Brisbane, who's a friend of this show, is going to be publishing a documentary on the 10th anniversary. So we can all look forward to that coming up sometime this week. And I'm sure the information about it will be out on the Internet. But again, thank you all so much for doing this. It's been delightful to, to, get, to get to talk to you all again. And I've enjoyed it thoroughly. This is Robert, one of the tech doctors, the only one here tonight, saying... So long for now.